Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Floorball podcast. This is a special episode. It's the first of our interview episodes. Uh, as the summer break, there's not many events going on. We decided to spice things up a bit and have some guests on. And what better for the first podcast guest on this series than the voice of floorball himself, Mr. Ollie Hogburn. Hello, Ollie. James, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, great pleasure to be here. Really enjoy listening to the show. So uh, thank you. We were just speaking about how busy you're going to be this summer. Um, as always, I, I think so. Um, how How is it for you at the moment? And um, how are you finding things in the commentary world? Yeah, it, it is really busy, um, which is great because I'm a freelancer and I, I love to be busy. I'm um, going in about four hours to... Um, the airport to fly to Poland, where I'm going to do the closing ceremony of the European Games. Um, I did the opening ceremony um, right at the start of the competition, flew back to do some table tennis and some uh, grass court tennis um, from the UK. Then, um, yeah, back for the closing ceremony. I come back on Monday the 3rd. Um, I then fly to Romania on the 6th for the Rhythmic Gymnastics Junior World Championships, come back about 10.30 p.m., on the 10th and the following morning fly to Japan for the World Aquatics Championships where I'm doing the diving and high diving commentary. And then I go straight on from Japan to China um, afterwards for the World University Games to do the artistic gymnastics. So I get back to the UK on about the 7th of August. Um, and then I've got 10 days of probably doing nothing before it all kicks off again. And I go to Valencia um, in Spain for the Rhythmic Gymnastics World Championships, the Senior World Championships. So, yeah, it's it's a busy summer, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So as as you pertain to there, your, your main sort of sport that you focus on is gymnastics, and, and that's what you're mainly known for. Um, but how did you get involved in floorball? Some people may know from <laughs> other podcast episodes that you began around 2017, but what's the backstory there? Do you know, it's really funny you um, you asked me because I, I actually looked at this last night and I'd forgotten I had a conversation with the IFF in 2016. I just didn't remember until last night that I had I actually wrote to the IFF in 2016, having discovered floorball. I'm not sure how I discovered floorball. It was probably one of those things of, you know, I, um, I had, um, I was probably on something like the Wikipedia page 2016 in sport and just looking through and seeing what was going on. Um, or maybe 2017 in sport, and maybe I, I, I saw the World Games or something. I'm not sure. But somehow I discovered it, and I remember looking at it and thinking, God, this is great. It's fast. It's exciting. Um, and I'd had some conversations with the IFF, and, and, and it was basically along the lines of, you know, we're, we're quite well set up at the moment, but uh, let's keep in touch. And then in, in 2017... Um, they spoke to me again, got in touch with me ahead of the World Games and asked me if I was available for it. And I'd actually already been booked to do the World Games for the Olympic Channel because uh, I do a lot of work for Olympic Broadcasting Services who are kind of the partners of the Olympic Channel. Um, so then what happened was apparently there were discussions on both sides about, well, look, you know, we we have somebody who likes the idea of commentating floorball and... The Olympic Channel said, well, we would like somebody who wants to commentate floorball, so why don't we just agree to put Ollie on the floorball? So it worked beautifully for me. I've been brought out there principally to do the gymnastics. I also got to do the sumo, which I love having lived in Japan and having started as a wrestling commentator, and I got to do the floorball. So it was a kind of perfect uh, event for me, really. It was lovely. 
Um, and, and after that, I spoke to the IFF and they asked me if I would like to then take over um, as the, the main commentator. They'd had um, a, a brilliant Australian commentator called Matt Hill do the 2016 World Championships, which I think were the first with, with English commentary. Matt was then um, uh, given a, a very prestigious race calling job in uh, in Australia. He really is kind of Australia's premier horse racing commentator. And he very kindly, because um, I knew him, he, he very kindly said to the IFF, apparently, you know, the, the guy you should get in touch with is, is Ollie Hogben. Um, so so I, I really am indebted to him um, for, for that, because I think it, he, he played quite a big role in, in putting me up for, for this job. And, and they haven't been able to get rid of me ever since. <laughs> well, thank you. That's And, you know, for some people... They only know your your voice. They don't know your backstory, um, and they don't know mainly probably about all the other sports you do. Considering that floorball is a very sort of specific sport, and there's not much crossover with um, other sports, mainly apart from ice hockey, and that's it. So it's interesting to hear that from your side. And regarding floorball, how do you how did you you said that you saw in 2016 that it was on some Wikipedia list. Was it something that you like knew about in particular or maybe glanced at or was it something that maybe you cross-referenced a little bit with the ice hockey in the beginning when you started? Um, no, I didn't know it at all, really. I, I came from um, a school that played field hockey, um, very typical southeast UK. Uh, I, I went to a school near Hearn Bay, um, you know, which which had a reputation for producing a lot of hockey players. Sean Curley, the um, the, the the sort of the the Olympic hockey player, for example, was was a, um, a product of the area. Um, and I, so I I played field hockey and I played it really badly. I actually managed to hospitalise myself once playing field hockey by miscontrolling the ball off the stick into my own face. Um, so I was at that kind of level in terms of my my <laughs> my field hockey prowess. Um, but it was a sport that when I discovered it, I just loved it. I, I just remember watching floorball and thinking, this is brilliant. And it has been a, a real love at first sight kind of relationship. I think the people in floorball are a massive part of that, certainly. I, I, I just love the floorball community. Um, I think you feel much the same, don't you, James, having, having come into it, you know, from, from, like me as an outsider? Yeah, yeah, I I got my start as a volunteer in the uh, Helsinki World Championships, and that you know I, I'd lived in and grew up in the UK most of my life uh, with Slovak heritage. But even when I went to Slovakia, I I didn't see floorball at all. I was ice hockey fan and still am. So as soon as I saw this, I was like, this is like you know this is ice hockey like exciting levels, but on a uh, entry level point for everybody that they can just pick up a stick and try it. And that's, I think, the core why I love it as well. It's just so accessible for everyone, but it's the same intensity, speed, pace as like ice hockey almost. So I think that's that's put beautifully. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's run by people who want people to be involved. You know, there, there's the thing I love about floorball is there's not a a protectionist attitude to the sport. Mm. It is so welcoming to people like me who've come in out of nowhere. And, and um, you know, it, it astonishes me. Every every time someone says to me, I'm the voice of floorball, 
it is the, the most flattering and surprising thing to hear because I'm, you know, I've come in as an outsider and, and I've, I've been so warmly welcomed by the sport. It, it's beyond what I could ever have imagined. Yeah, I guess also being a Brit in floorball is a bit of a disadvantage, but we, me and you have somehow made it, so. <laughs> well, do you know what? I There's one thing that, that I, do, I do think helps. Um, nobody can ever think that I'm biased as a commentator. Um, and and I, I, speaking as somebody who commentates a lot of football, um, all football commentators get the same thing from fans. Fans always think the commentator's biased against their team. Mm. Fan, fans sort of hold football commentators personally responsible for, um, for the goals their team concedes and the penalties their team <laughs> give, gives away. Um, but I, I think, yeah, being British, at least one thing is clear. I have a very neutral perspective on the sport of floorball. I, I, I can't be yeah, considered to, to, to um, follow a particular team, which which I don't. Yeah, we're still waiting for the day when the GB national team will qualify for a World Championships. Um, we see that France did it this year for the first time for the women, so hopefully GB soon. Yeah, wasn't that a brilliant accomplishment? I can't wait to call the French team, actually, at, at these championships. I love it when I get the chance to commentate a team I've I've not called before. Yeah, so many stories to tell, and I'm sure as a commentator, you're you're very good at that, so... So let's let's move on. And as you're a very multi-talented commentator, when you started and now progression, you've been doing floorball for six, seven years almost now. Um, how does it compare, say, with the speed and the pace of the game commentating to other sports, mainly gymnastics and, and football and tennis? I actually tell people that I think floorball is one of the uh, purest tests of commentary skill. I think if you can commentate floorball, you can commentate anything. Um, floorball has its own challenges, just as every sport has its own challenges. And there are some things about floorball that, that are easier than other sports and some things that are harder. But the pure pace of floorball um, is, I think, at the start, terrifying. And once you get into it, brilliant. I remember the first time I commentated floorball, I drank three shots of espresso uh, before the first match I commentated. I was doing it from a studio, by the way. I wasn't in the venue. It was in, in Madrid um, mm. for the Olympic Channel for the World Games. So, yeah, I um, I downed three shots of Madrid coffee, you know, which is pretty <laughs> hearty coffee anyway, and then went in and, and, and called these these two matches. Um, and I remember getting really burned by floorball there when I think Switzerland were 5-2 up in the gold medal match. And I remember thinking, God, they've done it. They've, they've won this. This is amazing. Of course, they lost 7-5. And I learned how floorball <laughs> works, um, which was which was really, you know, really a, a great lesson. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think when you actually get beyond that fear of the pace of it, it's brilliant because you don't have time to think. And that's actually a really good thing as a commentator. Generally speaking, the more time you have to think during the broadcast, the worse you get. I'm a firm believer that all of my thinking should be done before I go on air. Lots of research, lots of good preparation laid out properly. Think about what you you know might come up in this match, be ready to tell that story. And then once it happens, you just go. And that's what's brilliant about floorball. You don't have time for second guessing 
of yourself. Um, because if you stop just for a second and think about the words that are about to come out, too late, that, that ball's in the back of the net. It's The moment's gone, you, you know, and, and you can't um, allow yourself to, to be pensive. And a little trick you'll, I'll, I'll tell everyone, you'll notice when I'm commentating at a WFC, the first time that I commentate a team, you will hear me in the opening few minutes of the game saying the players' names very deliberately because it's my own form of muscle memory to, to get that in there. By the time I get to the end of the tournament, I don't need right at the start of the game to, to really look mm. at my team sheets. I know who's wearing number eight for Sweden and who's wearing number 10 for Finland. That's fine. But at the start, if I'm commentating, you know, say... Um, France will be, you know, will be be a great example here. You'll hear me the first time I commentate France. In the first few minutes, I will be saying, "Moves the ball to number seven, name seven, knocks it to number four, name," because that's my way of learning the names really quickly early on in the match. Um, but you, 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 you asked me sort of how it how it compares to, you know, to 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 other things. I mean, gymnastics um, is a totally different style of commentary mm-hmm. because. One of the strange things about gymnastics is the moment of victory never accompanies the moment that led to victory. So you 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 get the person does the routine and then later on you get the score. And so you have two different phases to your commentary. You have the commentary at the end of the routine, during the routine, and you have the commentary when the score comes in, but they're not connected. And sometimes you have a wait for several minutes to get that score to come in or sometimes the person who wins the gold medal has done the thing that wins the gold medal 15 minutes before the end of the event and floorball has has an immediacy um of course in gymnastics what you can do is you can look at a person's routine in advance and you can know some of the things that might come up um, when they perform it you can learn some of the skills in advance to an extent, you can do that in floorball. You know the way some of the players are going to play and the teams are going to play, but it's a lot more variable. But the great advantage of floorball, uh, or what makes it easier than gymnastics, is that um, uh, the vocabulary is a lot simpler. You don't have a million and one different skill moves that you've got to learn. And you also only have one thing going on, which is one match. And in gymnastics, quite frequently, I have maybe a dozen people that I have to keep tabs on during an event, all of whom are a potential contender for a medal. Um, so I, I spend a lot of gymnastics competitions with my calculator there, just tapping away at numbers, trying to work out data trends. Um, and of course, you know, you that that's mercifully not a problem in floorball. Yeah, and as you said, that's definitely... It's sort of more of a theatrical show, you could say, with the gymnastics. There's that sort of dramatic pause in between the routine and getting the scores. And and especially for you as a commentator, you've got to build that up and and really build the expectation of what could be good score and what is going to be that number they're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where you, you talk about qualification. You go, well, in qualification, their difficulty score was 5.6, but they've certainly thrown a few more upgrades in here. So it'll be interesting to see if that difficulty score can go up towards the six level. Of course, you don't have any of that in, in, in floorball. Um, floorball is more immediate in, in that sense. Um, but the thing that unites every sport I commentate is, and you said it earlier, it's about telling stories. Um that's the the thing that matters more than anything else is you're you're just you're just trying to tell the story that appears in front of you put the athlete at the center of it treat the athlete with respect and dignity 
recognize that this is a special and important moment for them, recognize they're a human being, recognize the fans watching are human beings who are stressed, who are nervous, who are having fun, you know, and, and recognize that it, it's a bit like you, James, in, in this, you know, you, you've done a your fair share of commentary and also in the stuff you create for social media. It's all about the sport being fun. No, nobody's turning on their TV specifically to feel miserable about floorball. They're, they're, they're here. They're here to enjoy themselves, and we're here to provide them with, with entertainment and um, you know, a, 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 an exciting weekend. So, our job is to, to, to be enthusiastic and be passionate. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, in terms of commentary levels, uh, I am very, very new compared to yourself. I only started last year. Um, which I think was mainly down to my accent. They were just like, yes, in <laughs> British voice who likes sport, off you go, you start commentating. So I think, yeah, the first time for me was World Games. Um, yes, I did that's group, right. Yeah. I, did, I did a couple of the group games. Um, and then after that, it was Poland and, and it was chess. So I'm still very, very much learning. So as when you were talking earlier on about all the, the hints and, and speaking about what you do, I was very, you know, men taking very many mental notes about that to help prepare myself for the future. Um, and but, I, mean, I think you've done really well. You, you know, you you come in with no background in commentary, and, and you you know that that it's um it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and and, and you, you've taken to it really well. Well, thank you. Um, well, we'll see because. I'm at the also going to be at the WFC, I believe, in Singapore commentating. Um, so if you are interested in, I'll probably be doing more C, CD group uh, as I seem to do. But um, yeah, uh, you'll hear me, you'll hear Ollie later this year in Singapore. And obviously tickets for that are still available. If you don't want to hear us and you just want to go <laughs> watch live, um, you can uh, buy tickets, of course, on, on the website. And the links are always on the social media. I was going to suggest to people that I think what they should do is is purposefully buy as expensive a plane ticket as possible, um, <laughs> simply to get away from my commentary because I you know I, I can't think of a better choice to make. Yeah, what better excuse for a business class ticket to Singapore? People, come on! I, if I could just ask one thing as well, you commentate so many different sports. Is there a specific sort of like? textbook of, of phrases that cover everything that you use or is it very sport specific language that you use for your commentary work really good question that actually um i try not to have a sort of playbook of phrases i think that sports commentary is at its best when you when you are quite spontaneous um that said um I think if you listen to me, you'll hear me say a very warm welcome to you indeed a lot. And you'll hear me say wherever in the world you're watching from a lot. Um, and, and, and certain other words that I that, that I, I do drop in because it, it's a fine line between um, having a versatile style and being so versatile that nobody recognizes you from um, event to event and, and, and from sport to sport. You, you have got to be who you really are on air. And, and I I. Basically, I speak the same way on air as I do off air, because I think that's the the right way to to, to broadcast. Um, I but no, I really I don't write phrases that I'm going to use. I, I don't you know pre-plan lines, so they are spontaneous things when they happen. 
certain things like the, the big one people always say to me in floorball is um and it's happening now which has kind of become really accidentally a phrase that i now have to use in in every single match because it's, it's just become the, the thing that I, that i always say to start off a floorball match um and actually it it was i remember it, i can't remember which wfc it was either 2017 or 2018 i was starting um a match off and i remember thinking i need to I need to sort of find a nice way to to lift into the start of the match because you get this weird thing in a lot of team sports where you get excitement, excitement, excitement and national anthems. And the national anthems always bring it just down a little in in excitement level. Um, And I thought I just need a phrase that kind of goes into the anthems. And I said that and, and and it caught on instantly. Um, and, and I remember I did a match, you know, the, the next competition, the first match I didn't say, and it's happening now at the start of it. Um, and, uh, it, it was Monica, my, um, you know, co-commentator, excellent co-commentator. She just, she said to me at the end of the first picture, like, you didn't say it's happening now. I'm not happy. Um, and, and I, you know, and I, I was like, I've clearly, I've just got to keep saying it. Um, and, but I don't use it in any other sport because that is my floorball phrase. And I will never use it for yeah for for, for any other sport that I do. Um, well, you feel very privileged to have that <laughs> phrase attributed to our sport only. So, uh, but yeah, you did the speaking, Monica. You did the men's WFC final last year in Zurich in the beautiful, brand new Swiss Life Arena with her. And how was that for you? That that experience in Zurich. What a lovely space that arena was. Um, yeah just just fantastic um the first thing i remember actually is is the same things i remember about prague in 2018 it's like god i'm high up here um it's <laughs> it's, it's a steep commentary position you you really you know mm. it is one of those don't look down kind of commentary positions um but lovely i mean um i, I thought it was a very nice event um the final you know, was not quite probably what we hoped it would be. But that's sort of understandable because for, for those, you know, young Czech lads, it was the the first big crossing over of, of, of the Rubicon and, and, and getting to the final. So I think it's understandable. They were probably a little bit, you know, outplayed by, by, by Sweden. Um, and, you know, finals, you always want finals to be close. Um, one thing that floorball actually has that is um, quite different from a lot of sports in a lot of team sports, finals are the worst games. If you think about football, it's actually Mm -hmm. quite rare that the, the, the world cup final, the FA cup finals, the best game of the tournament. Now this year was, or last year was a notable exception in the football world cup final. It was a stunning, stunning game. But if you actually look back historically at a lot of the finals, you know, 1994, Italy nil, Brazil nil, penalty shootout, you know, four years before that, Argentina losing one nil to a, a German penalty kick. It's all been, you know, often quite uninspiring. Champions League finals can, can be the same. Floorball's quite rare. Very often the final is the best game of the tournament. Mm-hmm. which is lovely you you really do get that showpiece feel in the final um and uh and and i even though it wasn't 
quite as good as some of the other finals have been. It, it was still a you know a marvelous occasion with some beautiful floorball. Definitely, I mean, especially on the women's side, I, I think the last four or three women's finals have gone to overtime or or, or penalties, and they've been super tight, close affairs every time. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that you're you're quite right. They they have been um, magnificent. The, the the final in um, uh, Uppsala was just glorious. You know, really, really entertaining. And you you said earlier, you know, you'll you'll be commentating a lot of the the group C and D uh, matches. To me, they're often some of the finest matches in the whole yeah. tournament. I I you know I would say you know group um, group C for chaos and D for drama. <laughs> because they're, they're, they're always just, there's so many tight, explosive matches. Um, and and I, I love floorball system. I love the, the way the groups are structured um, at, at the WFC to, to ensure those highly competitive group games. Um, so I, I, I think group C and D is often compelling viewing. Yeah, like for me, my favorite match I've commentated on was 100%. Uh... I think it was for like 13th or 11th. Uh, yeah, 13th. And it was Australia beating Thailand in, in oh, Zurich. Oh, yes. And that's just like, no, a lot of Europeans would have skipped over that, I'm sure. And, and they wouldn't have cared. But it meant so much to both teams. And it was like, you know, two seconds left, they scored the winning goal, Australia. So that was crazy. Oh, what one of life's pleasures is commentating the Australian national team. I mean, you know, <laughs> men's or women's team, they just, they, they just, they're the, you get the sense. It's a bit like the, the Singaporean women. You get the sense that you have to physically drag them off the court at the end <laughs> of the game because they will just stay there with every last breath in their lungs until they've won it. Um, you know, that it's just that, that sense of full, blooded commitment to the game is great yeah i mean and you also need to be careful about your mic placement because i remember i think gavin steindall did his achilles or, or something in that game early on in the first period and they sat him at the end ed, end of the bench right next to the <laughs> mic that was on the, the field so for about 10 minutes in in the commentary i just kept hearing him in my headphones talking and saying, oh, great pass, lovely shot, let's go, boys. And they had to physically turn him down, turn that mic down because he was swearing and whatever. So you have to be careful with Australia sometimes. Speaking of favourite teams, we were saying that your favorite, one of your favourite teams is Australia to commentate on. Do you have any other teams or players on, on both the men's and women's side that you really find enjoyable to commentate for floorball? To be honest, I don't really have favorite teams i i just love a close match and i like a match that's mm. played fairly um and i actually enjoy commentating as many teams as possible during a wfc i, I just like to see everybody as, as as best i can um this year the team that has really struck me is the swiss men's under 19 team i thought they were something of a revelation um in 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 Fredrikshavn. i thought they were just brilliant the way they played um that lovely pascal schmucki who's just a, mm. a sort of rolls royce of a player um <laughs> who you know just glides beautifully out of uh, out of defense i thought they were very stylish um and 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 i i guess i wasn't expecting quite that sort of game from them that that was really lovely um 
at the last women's WFC, you know, Italy was one of my favorite teams to commentate. Um, just a special story, you know, them being there, um, what it meant to them. Clearly, you know, it, it, it meant so much for them to be there. Um, and I remember the, um, the the wonderful sort of inspirational captain of the uh, Italian team, Anna Marasso. You know, she she uh, came up to me at the end of the tournament. She said, "You know, for us, like hearing your voice calling our matches is, you know, is is, is amazing because you're you're the voice we hear when we when we watch floorball, and you're the voice we hear in our heads when we play floorball." And and um, you know it. It, it, it was one of the greatest compliments I've ever had paid to me, you know, in any sport was to have a captain of a national team sort of say, you know, it meant so much to us to hear, hear your voice there. Um, in terms of players, I think Emily Vibron's hard to beat. Um, one of the things I love about Emily Vibron is she never seems to need to run <laughs> because she just knows exactly what's going on and it i think one of life's really enjoyable experiences is to just watch emily vibron during a match and not watch anyone else for about half a minute um because you it, it can be a little like watching um uh what there's, there's, what's that film um in inception the one where sort of people can manipulate their, their the, the the dream world and, and change the, the physical <laughs> landscape I, I feel like that when I watch Emily Vibron, like I, I'm not entirely sure whether um, the entire universe is actually re revolving around her or not, because she seems to be um, so able to influence a game by doing almost nothing. And, and I, I love that. I, I think it's, it, it, it's fantastic to, to see a player who's that intelligent and that technically skilled. Yeah, and I I think I just saw the other day on social media, she's so talented. She was a rally co-driver for a stage, literally, the, the other day. Really? So, yeah, yeah, it's like, it was, a, it, was a, it was a marketing thing. So it wasn't like a proper, like, professional stage, but she still did it. And she still was being <laughs> a rally co-driver. I mean, what can Emily Vibron not do? That's the main question, so. That's brilliant. Just absolutely extraordinary. The other thing I love, I, I do, James, I just love big matches. So, you know, Singapore, Thailand, um, Canada, USA, Sweden, Finland, Norway, Denmark, just any mm. any form of rivalry, a, a big game. That, that for me, is always a favourite. Oh, you saying Norway, Denmark takes me back to that playoff game in Zurich. And um, mm. I, I have a very big soft spot for Denmark as that was the team that I volunteered with in, in Helsinki. And if it wasn't for them, maybe I wouldn't be here right now. So that was heartbreaking for me a bit. And I just, just remember seeing the, the pictures of, of when Norway scored that overtime winner. And it was just the Danish team were just all on collapsed on the floor. And it shows you how much that means to, to both teams and how much this sport means to everyone involved. And I, I think it's a great point, James. I, I think we have to remember that as broadcasters because um, a, a moment of victory is also a moment of defeat. Hmm. Every goal is also a goal conceded, not a goal scored, uh, not just a goal scored. And I think as a commentator, just being dignified with people when they're at their lowest ebb is really important um, because I'm, I don't think I can go out there onto the court and do anything that comes close to what an elite athlete does. 
And I think the worst thing that a broadcaster can do is think that they're actually um, some sort of special expert that uh, gets to tell the athletes what they should and shouldn't do. Um, my job is to read the game, analyze the game, tell the story. But the, the athlete is at the top of the pedestal and they, they have to be treated with, with the respect for being able to do something that, that other people cannot do. Definitely, for sure. And it's, 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 sometimes it can be a tough, tough sort of line to, to not try and cross because you don't want to feel like you get too carried away with that victorious moment, uh, especially for, uh, for example, Uppsala when, when Sweden won and, and they beat Finland. It's like you can't help but feel so excited for Sweden, but you have to you know, show how heartbreaking it was for the Finns to get so close. Absolutely right, yeah. So one last thing from myself before we move on to some fan questions. Um, this is more of a personal thing. You travel a lot. I'm sure you accumulate a lot of air miles. Um, <laughs> Two-part question. First one, what is your favorite airline to fly with? And second of all, what is the, the one travel horror story that you may have? Oh, goodness me. Okay, uh, favorite airline. Do you know, in February... For the first time, I travelled with Qatar Airways. Um, I was doing some football commentary in in Doha, and it was lovely. It was a really I really enjoyed travelling with them. Good leg room. I, I'm six foot one, so and, and I'm quite broad shouldered. So leg room is one of my most important things on a flight. Um, probably my single most important thing actually. Good good leg room and. Um, uh, a, a headrest that is adjustable on the side so I can get a bit of sleep. Um, I like traveling with, with Japan Airlines, with British Airways. Um, my heart sinks when it's Turkish Airlines because I know that they'll be really good in the air, but but if there's any kind of problem, it will be awful because they, they just don't do customer service. In terms of travel horror story, I had to travel um, in 2019. I had to go from uh madrid to lima for the pan american games and i was booked with a budget airline called air europa and it was essentially like i've never traveled with them since and and i i hope i hope that will never happen again but it, it was obviously you know the you, we don't get much choice over who we travel with um in, in most jobs and uh it was very very budget and the whole flight it had the sort of leg room that you'd expect on a you know a, a flight from london to brussels um yeah. and it was like an 11 hour flight and the whole flight was full of senior citizens going on some kind of machu picchu experience <laughs> and and it was it was just full of um of of men who had no idea how to do anything and their wives had to do everything for them. So it, it was, you know, and, and the men, for some reason, always seemed to have got the middle seat and they were just elbows everywhere and, you know, and, and spilling the food and I didn't know how to, you know, get the lid off the butter and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was it was just, you know, it was one of those flights where you, you tried to get a moment of shut eye and then invariably you get an elbow in the rib cage. Um, so that, that yeah, that wasn't, um, that, that wasn't so... Uh, so great. Um, mercifully, most of the time, I, I've, I've, you know, travelled pretty, uh, pretty well. I did actually at that same job in Peru. I had, I had six days in a hotel that didn't have um, any 
hot water um and and it was it was july in peru which is not warm it was very drizzly and and um everybody on the job got ill we we got a, a bad cold went around um and and at the end of that event i was supposed to be um going and doing like machu picchu and doing a sort of week and what i actually did was i spent a week um in a hotel um basically the, the color of a fish that had long been pulled out of the ocean i, I just I, I was at one point i just remember shivering through the night you know feeling absolutely horrific um it it, it was a a job every single one of us just just got extremely unwell on, on on that job um yeah i've had i've had some great travel experiences i've been to some places that i i never thought i'd get to go to um it, it's it's one of the the absolute joys of being a commentator you must have what, over 50 60 minimum countries visited now for your work i that's a really good question actually how many have i visited for work it's probably um different countries work it's probably about 30 or something like that um uh, there are quite a few repeat um places what uh, one of the jokes as you know of course in the iff office is that i'm always in baku i'm always in azerbaijan <laughs> which seems to host so many gymnastics competitions um but yeah new ones this year for me uh re yeah romania will be new for me for work uh or just full stop singapore i've never been to can't wait for singapore that'll that'll be a lovely experience um yeah i'm still hoping to get a job in australia or new zealand i was supposed to be doing it um in 2020 I, I i was booked to fly to new zealand to commentate the pacific rim gymnastics championships and of course it was supposed to be april 2020 so the whole thing uh, whole thing got cancelled but i'm i'm hopeful of, uh, of of one day getting to that part of the world for work well if you're listening uh, australia new zealand uh, floorball <laughs> You can organize an under-19 event for sure. The next one, 2027, that's open. Uh, so if you would like to host the men's under-19 and bring Ollie to your fine country to promote the tourism board, get in touch and uh, we can make that happen. Please do. Please, please, please do. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll move on to the final part of the, this episode uh, with the fan questions. We'll start off, there'll be a couple of... Um, couple of refs who got in touch i guess you're very popular amongst the referee community ollie well they seem to um like my commentary i get a lot of the refs coming up and saying that and i think um i believe in treating officials with respect um i, I think refereeing is a rotten job to 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 do it because you have to have really a strong character to do it you have to tolerate uh, a fair amount of flack from fans and sometimes from players i think floorball refs are such a high standard they seem to love what they do and and uh, and i think it's really important to say on air when referees have got things right which is because referees get things right 99 percent of the time mm. almost if you think if you calculate the number of decisions referees make in a match how many hundreds of decisions they make in a match almost all of them are correct and it's so unfair if commentators only focus on the, you know, one thing they get wrong. It'd be like if a goalkeeper made 40 saves, you didn't mention it once as the ball was stopped by them. The only time you mentioned the goalkeeper's name was when they let a goal in. And you just wouldn't do that as a commentator. You, you shouldn't treat a referee in a way you wouldn't treat a player. Very, very good. Very good analysis and words there. 
Um, so the, the first question from one of our refs was, we've already answered it, but I'll still say it. Ole Eliasson, um, he will be heading to Singapore as one of our referee uh, pairings for the Women's World Championships. He just simply asked, are you going to be there, Ollie? Yeah, I'll be on site, which is lovely. Um, I, one of the things I love most about floorball is that I, I'm generally speaking on site. Uh, only occasionally do I do uh, remote commentary. So yeah, it'd be great to be there. And uh, our next referee question is another Swedish ref, ref uh, Rikard Wisman. Tell us about the highlight. Back B is back. Hashtag. <laughs> I remember that. Um, yes, that was um, in Helsinki. Must have been Helsinki. Kasper Backbo. Uh, he got injured during a game. And he he came back on and he seemed to be it looked like it might have been a nasty knock and he came back on and he was fine and as he came back on i just remembered the backstreet boys song <laughs> you know everybody backstreet's back all right and as he came on i said you know um uh but don't worry everybody back burr's back all right um <laughs> Oh. And and that that's certainly one of my favourite floorball moments of wordplay. It doesn't compare to what I think is the best line I've ever said in my entire career from a wordplay point of view, which also I don't think anyone heard, um, which was at the Asian Indoor and Martial Arts Games of 2017 when uh, I was commentating the wrestling, and I'm fairly sure nobody was watching this with English commentary, but there was a guy from... Uh, Baghdad and he was wrestling a guy from Kabul and the guy from Baghdad went to attack the legs of the guy from Kabul went to you know get a, get a takedown on him the guy from Kabul leapt backwards but as he leapt backwards he, he 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 leapt so far backwards he went off the protective mat and landed on the sort of uh, you know un, unprotected area yeah he, he really did just kind of fly out and, and I said he was trapped between Iraq and a hard place Oh my god! Um, and 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 as I said it, and somebody actually said to me off was like, "Do do you write these kind of lines?" Like, no, you, <laughs> I, I can't. How could I possibly have written that? I, I don't, I, you know, I didn't sort of try to find a bit of wordplay for every single possible scenario that <laughs> that, that that could could come up. But as I said it, I thought that's that's going to take some beating, and nobody will have heard it. So there we go. We're looking forward to some more incredible sort of word plays from you in the future so <laughs> well next one um we'll go to my colleague actually and uh, your co-commentator who's done many many finals and many matches with you Jörg kim uh, why does he like the miracle of neuchatel so much oh hello Jörg. um why do i like it the well firstly it was an incredible game uh uh, the greatest compliment that you can ever really be paid in anything you do as a commentator is when a phrase that you use catches on. It doesn't happen often that almost overnight, that's suddenly what people say. And um, when the the match was won, I I remember sort of launching into this this whole thing about, you know, 
um, the, the mountains and, and whatever. The taverns, um, I remember. Yes, taverns. I've never used the word tavern <laughs> at any other point in my life. I still don't know where that word came from at that moment. That's the funny thing. Like, what, tavern. Where, I, I, it, it's obviously, my brain went bar too, too lowbrow, pub too British, <laughs> needs to be a place where you drink, but it sounds mystical. That's a tavern. Um, you know, because uh, I was obviously going for mystical because I do, you know, mystical is one of my sort of default settings with commentary. I like I like a bit of mystical. Um, and yes, and I and I just said the phrase, the miracle of Neuchâtel. And it, it was funny. It just caught on straight away. And I, I remember the next day reading an, an Italian language article about it that, that still called it miracle of Neuchâtel in English. Um, and it, it's just sort of stuck. Um, and and I, the ultimate um, uh, example of this was I I bumped into a, a, a colleague who actually, remarkable story, she, she's a, a reporter um, and um, podcaster and, and writer for the German um, Football League. And and I actually used to be her, her English and drama teacher when she was 11 years old. I, I taught her in, in the UK. She's an Anglo-German and, and I uh, yeah, taught her for a year she now works in the the industry and i i was having a chat with her um and she i mentioned floorball and she said oh um is that the one with the miracle of neuchatel and i and, and i said yes and i said and that was me that commentated it now the only thing she knew about floorball was the miracle of neuchatel that's the only thing she'd seen and it, 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 it had caught on so yeah i think Jörg, that's why i probably love it the most um is is that i i got to put a phrase into the floorball dictionary and it will be ingrained there forever <laughs> so there we go uh, the, the, next... the thing that i'll just say that the, the curse that comes with it is now miracle is is off limits now you because i have used it so if there's ever another comeback like it it, it cannot be the miracle of something so that that's that that now is is the um penalty that comes with getting something like that into the <laughs> dictionary you you have to then rule out a word yeah that's that's like ice hockey uh the miracle on ice and the, nothing else you can use for the word miracle and ice hockey now apart from that yep. that game so yep absolutely well next question uh what who is your favorite latvian player male female or both I have a soft spot for Anna Ankudinova um, because I love her penalties. Mm. I, I I I do love the 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 the, the Zorro penalties. Um, yeah, I um, I remember commentating her for the first time. She must have been something like fifteen the first time she played at um, a World Championships because she she every time I commentate on her, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that she's still really young. Um, <laughs> She's just one of those players that's been around for ages. But yes, I just any Anna Ankudinova penalty shot is 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 just one of life's little pleasures. Yeah, she, she her Anna and uh, Maya Hellman from Poland oh, as well. Those yes. two just joys yes. to watch. So they, they really are, aren't they? Yeah, they could have a a sort of penalty um, uh, challenge like baseball's home run challenge or something. <laughs> just sell sell tickets for it. Uh, most people will be pleased to watch that, but I know there's some floorball purists who uh, shudder at the thought of Zorro penalties, so that would not be... Yeah, yeah, and I, I get that, actually. I, I remember 
that that's something I become aware of. And of course, that's that's one of the fascinating things, isn't it, about any sport is the way that it sports evolve. Um, and yeah. not everybody enjoys the the evolution of a sport. I, I was watching um, a, a brilliant BBC documentary series the other day about tennis, uh, uh, and, and it was looking at some of the great tennis rivalries. And I was watching um, Billie Jean King, you know, taking on um, uh, Martina Navratilova and Chris Evert. And I was watching um, John McEnroe and, and, and Jimmy Connors. And I thought, I much prefer that kind of grass court tennis to the grass court tennis I watch today. I, I think for me, you know, I, I can understand. I, I love the Zorro penalties, but I can un, I can respect any fan who doesn't like them because when I watch grass court tennis in the 1980s, I think, yeah, that's that's what I love. That's 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 the peak for me. So it's it, it's everyone to their own taste. Yeah, and uh, I think that's so that's so poignant because I remember when. Tennis was my main sport growing up. I played it and coached it. And I remember when Dustin Brown came on the scene, the 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 tall uh, Jamaican German yeah, player. Yeah. And it was like a breath of fresh air. Everyone wanted to watch him, even though he was really low ranked. And then people like Kyrgios came on the scene and, and it sort of breathed a new life into tennis a little bit, which for many had thought it become stale. I remember commentating um, uh, Kyrgios versus John Isner uh, several years ago. It's one of the most enjoyable matches I've ever called. Um, Kyrgios was, for whatever what what you may think of him, uh, is up to you as a as, as a fan of the sport. But just uh, from a, a technical standpoint to commentate, just extraordinary. Yeah, a real showman, and um, I, I think we have we don't have as many of those in floorball, but. Um, it certainly have a lot of um, exuberant players for sure, and uh, without the the I guess controversy levels of Kyrgios. Yeah, and that that's fine. Um, I'm perfectly happy with that. Uh, you 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 made a, a point about the the the, the, the showmanship in, in floorball. Um, I wish that football coaches, association football coaches, would show their um, players floorball because then their players might understand when to pass and when to shoot. Because floorball, for me, is the best sport of all the team sports I've ever commentated, the single best one for selflessness in front of goal and making the right decision. And football, which I adore as a sport and grew up playing, is the worst one for players making selfish decisions. One of the things I love most about floorball is when a player has... uh, you know, a 49% chance of scoring and their teammate has a 51% chance of scoring, they will make that pass. Mm. And definitely, uh, you see that so often, especially on not even the lower levels, but the highest, highest levels. It really is, no matter how skilled and talented you are, you get the top athletes always willing to contribute um, to help their teammates out as well, get on the score sheet. All right, we'll move on to the, the last question um, from the... Instagram fan questions. And this is from Yasmin Skeen, Team Australia player, social media ambassador for the IFF, who will be in Singapore most likely at the end of the year. What is your favorite part about commentating floorball, Ollie? Um, well, firstly, hello, Yazzie. She's one of my favorite players to commentate from what I, I, I was talking earlier about just the, the Australian team. And, and Yazzie is just the most perfect example of it, just somebody who who just gives you every single thing they have when they play. Um, she, she's, you, you, 
television was invented for people like Yazzie because she just she just makes for such good entertainment. Um, when you see a brilliant goal coming and you call it as it struck, that's the best thing. It's that lovely feeling of I, I love it as a commentator when I when I start to call the goal almost before it's hit. Um, when Czech Republic won the bronze medal in Helsinki, the men's team, and they beat um, Switzerland, and that felt like a sort of bit of a seismic moment when you know for for them. Um, I I saw I think it was Langer who 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 scored the goal. I. I remember I started to to call Langer with my voice going up almost before he hit it, almost before it came to him. And that's a really satisfying moment um, because obviously a lot of the time, you can't, it can't be like that all the time. A lot of the time in floorball goals are reactive things. You, you, you know, you just, you, you call them after they've happened, but that, yeah, I, I would definitely say is, is the best feeling when you really see the goal before it's happened. For sure, and it's uh, it's certainly the nicest feeling. It's like a cherry on top when you when you when you get it, and it's that satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, that's all we seem to have time for today, Ollie. Uh, just wanted to say thank you very much for joining us and being the first guest on the Talking Floorball podcast. And uh, I'll leave you with the last comments. Well, just. James, again, thanks for having me. I mean, you and um, Mari, you know, you do cracking work not just with this uh, podcast, but with what you do at competitions to to bring the sport to to people. Um, and and I I love I love the fact that floorball is a sport where we're trying new stuff um, all the time. We're 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 developing our TV product, we're developing our social media product. Where um, you know, th- there's a desire to work hard and and, and be um innovative and and, and uh, you know you're, you're a, a real part of that and, and probably don't get you know enough public credit for it so they're, they're i think that's important to to state but um just just to finish off i mean just thank you all floorball fans for how nice you are to me i i i can never believe it and although floorball has been as you said it, it's a small part of my commentary life because i only do three events a year um it's a really big part of my heart, actually. It's a very special sport to me. And, and I, there are very few things in life are as satisfying as starting and finishing your year with floorball. I always start my year with the Champions Cup. I always finish my year with the WFC. Um, and it is, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a lovely sport to be part of. And I hope to, to continue being a part of it for many years. Well, thank you very much, Ollie. And we look forward to hearing you for many years to come at many different wfcs thank you everyone for listening in uh rate the the episode on spotify if you're listening and uh, maddie will be back you will hear her voice after the summer break mm-hmm.